the IAB podcast from SNK Studios. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the IAB UK podcast. We're brought to you once again with the help of our sponsor, Verizon Media. I'm James Chandler, Chief Marketing Officer at the IAB, and this week we're under the influence. Well, not quite like that. What we mean is that this week we'll be turning the spotlight to influencers. Given influencer marketing's rise thanks to its direct connection between brand and audiences, we're delving into the questions currently being levelled at it. How do you measure influence? How do you work with the right creators? What controls do advertisers have over the content that gets produced? And much more. On top of that, we'll be bringing you the essential industry insight you need this week, including a snappy two-minute explainer on artificial intelligence. And of course, all the chatter from the IAB's Longacre HQ as we gear up for our flagship event, Engage, on the 5th of June. So, whether you're listening to this while you gently peruse your social media feeds or while you take that perfect selfie for your army of followers, we hope that by the end of this episode, you'll feel completely clued up about the opportunities on offer in the ever-changing world of influencer marketing. Now, I'm sure we've all come across influencer marketing at some point or another. Influencers have a unique relationship with their fans, and it's one that can give brands a new way to reach their audiences, develop trust and loyalty along the way. But in its current guise, influencer marketing is still a fairly new, shiny toy for the advertising industry. And to make sure we're maximising its opportunities, we've got to make sure we're working in the right way with the right people. So here to unbox some of our questions and explore the possibilities are Ollie Lewis, Managing Director of The Fifth, which is News UK's new influencer marketing agency, and Alice Audley, founder and CEO of Blogosphere. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks very much. Uh, And it's the return of Ollie to the podcast. I think you're the only person we've ever had back on. Veteran. A bit in a different guise this time, of course. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Yes, we were talking about Ken Falls last time. Yeah. Um, uh, Alice, t- talk to us about, because you've been, we were just chatting, you've been doing it for some time. Talk, talk to us about sort of the current state of influencer marketing, where we are today. I mean, it has changed a lot. So Blogosphere started all the way back in 2013. Um, I feel that we're in sort of third generation influencer and second generation influencer marketing. Mm. So I think at the beginning we saw it very much as a kind of press PR device where it's like, oh, there are these people and they've got following, so we'll just gift them uh, and they will post about it and that's great. Uh, Then we sort of, it became more of an industry, money was pumped in. Mm. Uh, I think we saw huge investment rounds into influence marketing in 2015. and with that has come a, you know, a saturated market and there is a lot of press about the mistakes that are happening from yeah. influencers. But actually, I think we should be taking a, a closer look at the marketing side because we are on the brink of uh, imploding. Yeah. Uh, and of course, specialist agencies as well. <coughs> yeah, I think that's, absolutely. That's it's the way I see it as well. You've got to do this transition and we're at this inflection point where it's moving out of sort of a PR vehicle. It's it's transitioned through an advertising, quite mm. commoditized vehicle. And hopefully we're coming out into a really considered brand marketing vehicle. And then at that point, it becomes a much more considered and central part of, of any integrated um, comms plan. And that's the exciting part. And mm. I, I believe it absolutely sits at the centre, can sit at the centre because the talent and the creative work that that's on offer um, is that could absolutely apply to to print to audio and yeah. um, to outdoor and, and that's the exciting 
kind of path ahead of us, I think. There's always these calls for um, it's either standards or it needs to be better regulated. With anything that's kind of new, given that it is still relatively nascent, that kind of would kill all the innovation within it and probably the excitement that it still has, right? No, I think it's important. I think it needs to professionalise. For it to become a more considered part, for a CMO to take real notice, we need some standardisation of even terms. We need a clear idea of how you measure and deliver ROI against and how you benchmark that against the rest of the plan so whilst I think it's it's incredibly important that we bring uh, trust and transparency into the space and you only really do that by adding some form of regulation and standardization the 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 concern for me would be that we go too far with it uh, on the regulation side um, as we're sort of seeing the ASA guidelines coming into play only recently To some extent, they are—they're uh, not in favour, certainly, of the talent, and they do restrict. And I think, ho- hopefully, that we get to a point where they start to tail back a little. Yeah, mm. I think it is great that you know standards are coming in because it does show that it, the industry is being taken seriously. But again, I think that yes, I agree with you, Ollie, that it isn't doesn't always have talent at the kind of forefront of those decisions and also it can be quite confusing because you have the ASA you have the CAP you know some people follow the FTC which isn't even relevant here so (laughs) um, I think that because it's moved so fast that it's difficult to catch up and so then you're having people that don't really understand or Mm. haven't been ingrained in the industry making these decisions Mm. and you know, one regulation that sort of came out, you have to put ad if you've worked with, um, you know, if you go out, buy a lipstick, if you worked with them within a year, even if you've gone out and bought it with your own money, you still need to put ad because you had a working oh, wow. relationship with them. Wow. And, you know, coming to events, if you've been invited, ad gifted. It's mm. just ridiculous. Yeah. So if you actually take a parallel of that, James, and you look at, uh, say, you know, the background of our world, a digital news publisher, on any given day, they could work with a particular brand and produce a piece of sponsored editorial and content. And the very next day, they could work editorially with that brand and cover it in some form of light. And absolutely, mm. there's an understanding there, isn't it? Inherent understanding over the last decades of this church and state. If you look at that in an influencer world, that's not absolutely not true. You know, an influencer, if they're paid to work with a particular brand, has to mark every piece of content for the foreseeable future as yeah. sponsored. It might just be that they love that brand and they've tagged themselves and they and they want to talk about it at a later date, but they would have to mark that as paid, advertising, spawn or gifted. And and in some sense, that isn't that isn't quite there, is it? Yeah, and, and I guess that's where they started as well. I mean, they didn't start, they didn't go into it because they wanted to, you know, promote stuff that they were being sent or being asked asked to in briefs they did stuff because they love it they got into cars they got into beauty they got into whatever and i think absolutely that's why we're so passionate about self-regulation to your point alice is that the people who you want to self-regulate are the people that know the most about it not people that sort of are playing catch up slightly and it's um it's a big thing in digital because it does move so quickly as you say What, what what does good look like then in terms of how does the advertiser win how does the talent win if you've got an agency in the mix how does everyone win is it the quality of the brief is it the type of product i mean what is it I think there are a lot of important things in the kind of in that chain, but for an influencer, uh, where they win is doing a piece of content that aligns with their brand and doesn't alienate their audience. You know, an audience should be happy once you put out mm. a piece of branded content. Uh, for the agency, obviously, if the the brand is happy with uh, what they've achieved with the influencer, but I think the agency's role is very much communication and being able to communicate what the brand wants to right. the influencer and also to feedback. The interesting thing is you're tracking, we're almost tracking year behind everything the digital ecosystem advertising place has been through, right? Mm. So brand safety issues, viewability, supply chain, exhaustion, yeah, yeah, transparency. Yeah. We're just 
little bit behind, which is what's fascinating about it, but all completely solvable, um, which is why it's so key to or actually, frankly, to have you involved as we start to move this forward. Mm. Um, at some of those points, so when it really works, I think it's when it's authentic. You want the talent to be proud of the work they're creating for a brand. Yeah. That's when it works mm. really, really well. And the only reason they'll be proud is if the brand is the perfect fit. It's authentic to them, to their audience, and they're, they're interested. It's amazing when you get it right how much more organic content you get on a campaign. You might pay them for X number of posts. They'll double it if they so like it. They're really into it. They're really into yeah. it because yeah. they, they, it's a brand that resonates with them and their audience. And, and to your point, the audience sees through it if it's not. Yeah. It will not work. So when in, 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 to contrast that, when it doesn't work is when a brand just tries to, f- one, you get the match wrong and they're yeah. just taking the money. And two, when you try and force their brand's assets into an influencer's feed and expect their audience to take it. Yeah. And they won't. And, um, and and there's some of the challenges that we, that we face. And actually, you need to be prepared as an agency, as a brand, as talent to walk away if it's not right. Mm. Well, well, that's the question. Is, 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 is uh, at what point are you, does the authenticity override the sort of the trying to make a living and being commercially driven because there's a balance there. Yeah, right? I think it's particularly hard for some mid-tier influencers. So when mm. you're, you know, macro, you know, huge following, you can be... Uh, you know, you can turn down oh, a lot of stuff mm. because you're not relying on as your income. And then at the same time, as a micro-influencer, often that's on the side of a job, so you can be a bit pickier. It's when you've tried to go full-time and then you're getting contraceptive apps offering you at six months' worth of salary, wow. you know, mm. a, a deposit on a house, yeah. um, that it becomes more tricky. But you've just got to be able, as an influencer, to think long-term because, yeah. yes, you may get the short payday, but... Um, long term you've kind of alienated um, your audience but I also think that it's important um, that you know not all ads are bad you can have great ads and we actually need to change the narrative around that um, and champion you know the people that are doing great campaigns because audiences are genuinely happy I think we've you know, when money first came in, everyone gets a bit competitive and be like, oh, there's a bit of money there. Why mm. did they get the job? But but if everyone comes together, you know, we're going to see more of it and there is plenty um, to go around. Yeah. Um, uh, transparency is a big theme for us. Yeah. Um, this this year in particular, we're doing lots. We have a bunch of FAQs. Of course, we have the gold standard and that's throughout all of digital. You've had brands like Unilever, Keithweed, very publicly saying they're not going to work with uh, influencers who have bought followers and that they're not going to knowingly uh, not work with agencies who have done the same. Um, it's sort of that moment where you get a big CMO stand on stage and say it. Does that change the game for everyone else? Yeah, I think so. But ultimately, we need the talent to be accountable hmm. and they need to be willing to be transparent themselves. And actually, I think there is an awakening there and, and they're starting to because they're becoming professional media businesses. And yeah. If you want to become a professional media business competing in this land, you know, global marketplace and a big landscape mm. and you're going to be benchmarked against you know a very well established considered channels then you've got to be transparent in the same way that we are which means sharing your data at simplistic it's very easy to spot follower growth spikes and to start to dig into when fake followers and engagements have been bought but there is a there is it's much harder to do that without them sharing their data you're relying on AI uh, in order to make predictive analysis on whether they've done it. it would actually be much easier for them to declare it themselves yeah. uh, and there's ways of doing that there are platforms for example like Q83 that allow talent to share their data into a central depository and allow ta- brands to access it. And, and that would be a great step. I think we also need a greater responsibility on the platforms themselves, like Facebook and mm. Instagram, um, 
to go through and remove you know fake followers and bot accounts because yes it may mean that you have a monthly active user base that isn't a billion but at least they're you know authentic and and honest and second point on that i think that we need to look at other forms of data because you know once engagement rates and the number of followers you have aren't that important then that's going to cure the problem and we actually can look at you know what was the return on investment yes. um you know and we get more kind of affiliate links and yeah. and uh, just get a bit better on on that side and also we're missing a huge qualitative piece which mm. is that you know how good is a campaign brief um you know is the influencer paid on time because because influencers are freelancers mm. and you know cash flow and stuff in big businesses totally. you can't be paid 6 months later it's yeah. just not it's not viable for for a freelancer. Yeah. It's a really interesting point on measurement there, um, and some of the work we've looked at is this obsession. We did a big campaign earlier this year around "Don't be a clickhead." It seems we've got an industry that's obsessed with clicks. Mm. When actually, you know, did I sell more cans of deodorant? Did I shift the brand metrics I wanted to? Do you think it is is at the moment it's kind of stuck in this very vanity engagement metrics, not actually looking at what's yes. the long term brand improvement that it's called. I do and I think that's a big problem for agencies mm. competing with other agencies because it's not a level playing field when you've got people promising you know a billion engagements right. what does that mean yeah, you know, yeah, what yeah. what's that actually mean in terms of sales mm. and that's when we're going to be able to you know when people are telling better stories that's what changes people's minds that's what you know implements people people's buying habits yeah, totally. um, what would help that is, is longer term partnerships if mm. you're working with brands and, and and a more considered talent roster over a longer period of time you can you can track it more effectively uh, and, and actually feel the talent are more invested yeah. and more accountable in that respect so actually I think that's that's hopefully where the space is going to your point like greater storytelling that drives real brand advocacy mm. you can build narratives over a much longer period of time with the same talent as opposed to it being quite transient at the one moment. shot it's type, one shot yeah. it's fast campaigns yeah. it's quite transient you're dealing with four 50 influencers often at a time if you're doing these very large scale and reach based campaigns yeah. but actually if you want to shift real brand metrics you know it's not about reach it's got to be a much more considered marketing vehicle that's that's definitely where it's going yeah. um, and, and some brands are starting to do that already and yeah. that's why you see the agencies succeed the ones that can do that yeah, yeah. Um, you, you mentioned, Alice, you were talking about macro-influencers. Um, size isn't everything, of course, and, and micro-influencers, people that are in that real niche of that real cultural thing you're into, are as if not more powerful than the you know, Zoellas of this world that have huge mass-market reach. Um, there's that middle ground as well, which you talked about, which is sort of... Talk, talk to us a bit about that sort of mid-range. So, I mean, mid-range, kind of looking at 100,000 right. plus... Um, which is still, which is still, which is still yeah, yeah, which is still um, very big. Mm. But I agree. I think that micro influencers, you know, when they have their niche, that's really effective, and that's again why it's so important to be able to find a different metric um, to use because you can, you know, I. I don't think that this is a question where you either use micro-influencers or macro-influencers. Mm. I think that the the industry is more complex than that and actually what you need is strategy. So, And this is an, another problem. You have people that come out and say, oh, you must just have micro-influencers because yeah, they're yeah. much more successful. Um, and it's, you know, that's not true. You, you can have a, you know, Zoella and Colourpop. Yeah. Um, I mean, he hasn't had a great time recently, but James Charles and Morphe, you know, mm doing those collaborations that are selling out mm. um so yeah i think it's a it's a mix and there isn't someone that's just got the answer i yes. think that you need to think about it um uh, yeah i agree yeah. i'm actually um, I'm not tired's the wrong word but we're trying to move away from that reach-based terminology mm. I, I think as an agency we're moving away from macro micro celebrity even nano as it's recently called yeah. nano okay nano yeah, yeah below a thousand or so mm -hmm. so 
because actually it's not all about reach reach doesn't equal influence mm. it's it's actually about the talent it's the format it's the depth of engagement it's the loyalty they have i mean these are we're talking about community leaders and yeah. it's the relationship they have with their audience is way more important yeah it's the talent and it's their in how they present themselves why are they influential uh, and and actually reach isn't isn't the best measure for that yeah. so we're, we're starting to drop that i think uh, um, the talent themselves are starting to resonate with that as well yeah you don't want to work with someone just because they have followers you need yeah. to understand much more in the nuances of their format yeah 100 percent. and then new platforms i guess things like tiktok and new things that are coming on. i mean there's lots of well-established ones just gonna have to do disclosure um <laughs> tiktok were a headline sponsor for the blogosphere awards wow. so i should probably put hashtag ad um if hashtag we're gonna follow spawn, yeah ha- need to need to disclose that but no, tiktok please. are great <laughs> transparency but they, these are these are new things um that are coming alongside the established so i guess there's you know there's going to be people that work across multiple platforms raft of new yeah people coming through as well on these new platforms who knows what the next tiktok's going to be absolutely and i think uh, i think the issue we, we don't want to just limit our uh, limit ourselves to the social platforms yeah, yeah. i actually think where yeah, the space is heading is actually is it's not just about social influencers these these are content creators that can live in in in, in mainstream media mm. and increasingly are i mean um if you take some of the, the headline examples uh of, of zoella i mean and joe i mean they, they ultimately have transcended yeah. social and i think that will happen at a micro level too this year um I wish we could keep going, but I think that's all we've got time for. Oh, no. But we should end on, though, um, recommendations from you both. So one influencer or content creator that people might not be aware of, a nice niche one if you can, who people should just go out and follow and bury themselves in, in their content. Leopard print elephant, Jamie, who won our fashion influencer of the year. Okay. Um, not only for their fashion, um, which is incredible, but also for... Uh, their politics and education um, around LGBTQIA. Nice. Oh. So, so I'd say Natalie Glaze, um, who actually is a great example of an influencer slash entrepreneur and brand in her own right. She's launched her own sustainable luxury swimwear. Nice. And um, But really interesting, incredibly bright, and, and ultimately shows that there's um, the talent themselves aren't just about selling products. They're actually becoming media businesses and brands. Yeah. And, and ultimately, actually, I had an interesting thing the other day that the term influence is slowly being replaced as a form of sort of entrepreneur and I think that's a really interesting parallel because um, they are they're very entrepreneurial well I said that was the last thing but it's not because that's got me thinking that the terminology influencer content maker youtuber I mean what's is there etiquette around what we should be calling do people like being, I saw Fleur de Force on stage at Engage last year she hated the idea that she was a vlogger or an influencer I can't remember what she liked actually but she didn't like any of the sort of the, the labels that were out there Fleur was our issue three cover star. This <laughs> is just all um, in. So, I mean, Blogosphere obviously mm. started um, before the term influencer was coined. Uh, yes. So we used to be four bloggers by bloggers. We're now the influencer industry. Mm-hmm. I think it's difficult... Um, you know, influencer does cover this sort of umbrella. Yes. Um, digital first influencer is sort of who we work with. We mm. don't work with reality TV stars that have turned into influencers. You have to have made your name purely through social first. Um, but yes, there is a resistance um, to the name, but we don't yet have a better one. No. Um, so rather than <laughs> saying vlogger, Instagrammer, you know, tweeter, <laughs> TikToker. Um, yeah, yeah. We like to use the word storyteller. Okay, very good. Just because, I mean, it sounds obvious for me, doesn't it? <laughs> um, just because I think they're people telling stories of their lives mm. and they tell it and they have an incredible ability to do so and they're incredibly engaging. And um, as a result of that, they're very influential. Brilliant. And that's what's unique as well, I mm. think. 
you know, yes, it's a saturated market, but what every influencer needs to remember is that what you have unique to you is your personality. So as long as you keep doing that and that's authentic, yeah. then you can stand out. Like anything, that's your brand, I guess. Um, that was absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Alice. Thank you, Ollie. That was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, James. pretty fun. The IAB runs a dedicated influencer marketing advisory group set up specifically for specialist member companies working in this space. If you're interested in joining, email us info at ibuk.com. Welcome to the part of the podcast we call Two Minutes On. It does exactly what you'd expect. It's a two-minute talk by an expert in their field who takes a tricky topic and explains it in the simplest way possible. And we have a very special Two Minutes On this week on artificial intelligence and welcomed Quantcast's Chief Technology Officer, Dr Peter Day, who spoke to us all the way from San Francisco. Following our Engage special last time, we're joined again this episode by one of the much-in-demand speakers who will be taking to the Barbican stage on the 5th of June. In just under a week's time, there will indeed be a doctor in the house, Dr Peter Day to be specific, Quantcast's Chief Technology Officer. Peter, thanks for joining us. A pleasure to be here. Uh, You've been known to question whether artificial intelligence will steal our jobs and that machine learning is the future of advertising. Uh, But to many people, AI still means a Steven Spielberg film uh, at worst or Alexa at best. So as the expert, what exactly is artificial intelligence? How is it different from machine learning? Uh, And I guess, how does it impact advertising? Wow, three questions in one. Um, So artificial intelligence has always been a bit of a buzzword, if I'm honest. Um, Since the kind of inception of the term uh, way back in the kind of 50s and 60s, um, it hasn't really meant very much. Um, Artificial simply means kind of made by humans and, well, intelligence, we we struggle to really define that in any sort of academic sense. Um, So it's always been this kind of umbrella term for kind of smart systems and smart technology. Machine learning, on the other hand, is a much more formally defined discipline. It's kind of this academic discipline, really, which is about getting machines to solve problems without being told explicitly how to solve them. So while the majority of the software that you use will be told some, at some point by a programmer how to operate, when person presses this button, do this other thing, the idea behind machine learning has always been, wouldn't it be cool if machines could simply get better with experience, if they could be given a problem and work out how to solve it by themselves? Now, there's a whole bunch of tools and technologies that we use for that these days, but it's always in that kind of guise. We state a problem and allow the machine to measure whether it's getting better or worse, and machine learning techniques can be used to do that without a programmer having to explicitly change it and adapt it to the environment as things change. Now, how it's, diff- how it's going to impact advertising, um, I think it's going to impact advertising massively, but probably not in the way that some popular press is, is talking about it today. In fact, it's already impacting ap- advertising. Um, it's helping us um, make sure ads are viewed, for example. It's helping us target ads really effectively. And it's helping to automate a whole bunch of processes which are largely repeatable. And we haven't got around to automating because we can't hire enough computer programmers. What it's not going to do is it's not going to reduce, the, remove the human from the loop. I think we're always going to need humans to come up with new ideas. And I think machine learning is going to allow us to execute those ideas much more efficiently and allow us to kind of test and learn much more effectively than we can today. Uh, That's amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, And and briefly, could you give us a quick lowdown on exactly what you'll be talking about at Engage next week? Yeah, sure. I'm really going to be looking at the core reasons behind how Netflix was able to beat Blockbuster Video and how Amazon was able to beat out Barnes & Noble. 
What is it that was different about these internet companies? They didn't have the resources of the larger and scarier competitors. And that over and over again, we saw David beat Goliath. I'm going to be looking at those companies and looking at what's fundamentally different about them. And then more interestingly and more relevant, what can we as advertisers, marketers and ad agencies learn from those companies to help make us more relevant for the future and help our businesses not only compete, but also thrive? Uh, It sounds absolutely fascinating and fair to say we cannot wait to have you. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next Wednesday. Anytime. Looking forward to it. And if you want to hear more from Dr. Peter Day and why he thinks the future of advertising is the death of the big idea, then join over 1,000 others at the Barbican for Engage 2019 on the 5th of June. Go to iabuk.com forward slash engage to bag one of the last remaining tickets now. Welcome to Overheard at the IAB, our fortnightly jaunt through all the goings-on inside and outside the IAB, complete with a smattering of scandal and intrigue. And I'm joined this week by our Head of Marketing, Tom Stevens, and newly appointed Communications Manager, Jesse Sampson. Welcome to you both. Hello, James. I've I've talked about salacious gossip and a smattering of scandal and intrigue probably every episode since we've ever done this, and we've had none whatsoever. So do you come bearing fruits today, Tom Stevens? I come with immense tales of Engage Uh, once more. Well, that will have to do then. Um, And of course, it is uh, awash with Engage fever at the IB at the moment. Um, We've just added Thread. So Tim, who's the CMO at Thread, uh, who's going to talk about um, transparency, is going to talk about data as part of our big D2C study that's launching later this year. So we're all excited about that. We are. I feel like everyone is talking about direct-to-consumer brands Mm -hmm. at the moment. The magic disruption word cropping up all the time. So I think having Tim on stage talking about what Thread are doing, how they're building their brand, what yeah. their approach is going to be in that increasingly crowded market will be uh, great to hear. Yeah, he's fa- he's fantastic. We spoke to him last week. So they're the um, they're, they're built for men on the inside that men kind of want to look good, but they don't want to go and ask for a stylist. So they've got the AI, which works out what you like. They work with over 300 brands and they've got these human stylists. I think my stylist is called Richard. Uh, and Richard helps me decide the things that I like. So I'll be nicely kitted out for the stage at the Barbican anyway. Lovely. I yeah. have Millie and she's remarkably on point. Is she? Yeah, great choice. Yeah, fantastic. Um, uh, exclusively for men at the moment, I'm afraid, yeah, Jesse. shame. But you would think they're going to get to, they're going to get to the uh, the female version at some point. Um, uh, Charlie Craggs is also on the bill, uh, and yes. she did rather well last week. Yes, so she spoke at Wackle Gather mm. last week. I had a couple of friends there who said she was so good. One of them actually burst into tears. Wow, standing so, ovations the lot yeah, I'm hearing. The bar was set high. Yes, and of course we had. Uh, Dr. Peter Day on earlier as well was talking about artificial intelligence. Um, so, I mean, he's just going to be brilliant as well. And, um, and we had Natalie Bell on last time, marketing for four-year-olds, uh, which is also brilliant. Yeah, sounds fascinating. It's They are launching a new piece of research about how um, digital has changed our brains. Yeah, so. everything, short, shortcutting everything. Um, uh, I'm going to be talking about mobile in the year of mobile. I thought that was quite a witty title, Tom. Classic, James. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously that's going to be most of our highlight. <laughs> I'm sandwiched uh, at the end between two brilliant people, though, so, uh, so I'm going to have to up my game for that. Um, Favourite speaker you're looking forward to that we haven't talked about already, Tom? I think I am particularly looking forward to Alex Jenkins from Contagious, yes. who I keep hearing excellent things about. Never seen him speak myself, but every time you mention him to someone, they say how excellent he is. Yes. And also, I think it's as much about the gaps between the speakers 
and the networking opportunities. We've got okay. 700 advertisers, agencies mm. coming along yeah. um, and nice long breaks for people to do lots of networking. Indeed. Aaron's favourite as well, uh, Alex Jenkins. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and, uh, and you, Jesse? Everyone has said this, but I, I am really looking forward to Caroline Criado Perez. <laughs> Everyone um, has said that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, if you I'm, had to pick another. Someone else. Um, Anna Kessel from The Telegraph. Yes. Who will be talking about um, their Women in Sport initiative. Mm. Um, so that sounds really interesting. And literally the next week it's the World Cup in France, yeah. Women's World Cup. So yeah. uh, might even be a surprise in there somewhere. Who knows? <laughs> You'll have to buy a ticket and come along to see. Um, and it's the first engage for you both because you're both yeah. relatively new to the IB. So that's going to be true. Have you ever been before? No, never no. been before. Literally, really first, looking so not just the first time in the IB. Wow. Did a site visit last week. That is a big old room yes. at the Barbican. <laughs> yes, it's quite the stage. The, it really uh, is. It means. I can't wait. Not for the faint-hearted. Well, look, it's next week. So um, tickets are still available. So if the 5th of June hasn't already been torn out of your leather-bound Filofax organiser, then do it now, right before heading to iabuk.com forward slash engage to reserve your place at the biggest digital advertising event in the country. Don't miss a simply unmissable lineup that includes The Telegraph, Snap, Google, Verizon Media, Contagious, MGOMD, Quantcast, Triple Lift, as well as the brilliant Charlie Craggs, Caroline Criado Perez, and of course, our star guest, Tina Dehealy. What a lineup. Now, how often do you think about the ground you're standing on? Because deep down beneath our feet, right at the heart of the planet, is the Earth's solid inner core. It's literally the centre of the Earth, with a surface temperature of 5,430 degrees Celsius, a volume of about 7.6 billion cubic kilometres, and a radius of 1,200 kilometres. Which, I think, means it's official. 1,200 is a pretty big number. Here at the IAB, you've guessed it, we have over 1,200 member organisations, and every week, we pay one a visit and ask them to nominate someone who will answer our 10 infamous quickfire questions. This week, we got an invite to Facebook London to meet Nick Bourne, their Director of Agencies for UK and Ireland. And here's what went down. We are here at Facebook London this morning and we're with Nick Bourne, Director of Agencies for UK and Ireland. Thank you for joining us, Nick. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's mega simple. It's 10 quickfire questions about work life and everything in between. You get 60 seconds to answer them. Are you ready? I am Start absolutely the clock. ready. Who is your industry hero? I'm going to go for Richard Eyre, uh, CBE, uh, coincidentally chair of the IAB, mm. but also just all-round brilliant person who's, who's given of himself incredibly selflessly over the years uh, to industry like the Media Trust and, and a number of other charities and organisations. He's also just a really great guy. <laughs> Your favourite Instagram filter? X-Pro2 oh. for the garden. Nice. Uh, the Cockney rhyming slang phrase you use the most? I've never used a Cockney rhyming slang phrase. <laughs> What's a classic Nick Bourne interview question? Well, it's one I stole of uh, an ex-colleague, Howard Watson, who at the end of every interview would always ask, do you want to be a pirate or a ninja? <laughs> and, and I'd love to tell you that it's... Uh, it's a subjective question, and I, I'm just interested in the thought process. But actually, there is a right answer and there is a wrong answer. Very good. Um, what one item in your home would you want to be connected that currently isn't? Garden hose. Oh, uh, the best boss you've ever had. I'm not going to touch that one with a stick, <laughs> but I will say that I've been incredibly lucky in my whole career to work for some incredible people 
whether it's uh, uh, Pedro Martins at, at Total Media or Steve Hatch at MEC, Sarah Hennessy, Stuart Bowden, Jed Glanville at Mindshare, and I spent you know a, a very privileged five years working for for Lindsay Patterson at, at Maxus. Uh, and I'm now equally fortunate to be back again working with Steve Hatch. Uh, I've, been, I've been very, very lucky in the people I've worked for. Uh, an incredible answer. Uh, Pestel or Clegg? Uh, I think there's only one real Nick at Facebook. <laughs> From your new business days, what was the strangest reason you ever got for not winning a pitch? They're never strange. Uh, it's always some variance of... Gosh, you were close. Uh, you know, just in second place. Really loved the team. Um, you know, just just weren't quite there. Um, I'd, I'd love to tell you I had a great funny example, but but they're always the same. The powdered orange red spice, typically made from sweet red bell peppers, most commonly used in Hungarian cuisine. Paprika or paprika? Paprika. Uh, and finally, what was the last thing you searched for on Facebook Marketplace? Uh, I, in fact, last week, searched for peony flower supports. <laughs> that's brilliant. Uh, Nick Bourne, that's your 10 quickfire questions. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that brings us to the end of episode eight. A big thanks once again to our sponsor, Verizon Media, and a big thanks to you for listening. We hope that this episode has been a positive influence on you. See what I did there. We'll be back in two weeks' time with a one-off, never-heard-before episode recorded live in its entirety from Engage, hopefully featuring all the best bits, including interviews with the speakers and behind-the-scenes action from backstage at the Barbican. If you want to join us on the day, then you'll need a ticket, and there's only one way to get it. That's by visiting iabuk.com forward slash engage. Members come for half price, and if you're an advertiser or agency member, you get to come for free, but you do still need to reserve your place via the site. And if you've been enjoying the podcast, we would absolutely love it if you'd consider giving us a recommendation to a friend, a five-star rating, or even just an email full of guest recommendations for future episodes. Send that on to podcast at iabuk.com. And of course, if you want more information on what the IAB does or how you can get in touch with us, find us online at iabuk.com or at iabuk on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be back in two weeks with our Engage 2019 special. But until then, thanks for listening. The IAB Podcast, sponsored by Verizon Media.